for a lot of reasons, but because unforgiveness really can really limit our fruitfulness as believers. Give a little plug for Wednesday nights. We're going through the book, The Secrets of the Vine. Uh, you can get, to, I think today might be the last day that we're going to be selling the books, The Secret of the Vine, out there. If you want to grab one of those and participate. But this last week in chapter 3, we looked at unforgiveness as it limits our fruitfulness as a believer. If you are carrying around, uh, you know, offenses and things like that, um, your fruitfulness as a believer will be inhibited. We also said that if you, are, if you do not extend forgiveness, that you will not be forgiven yourself. We've looked at that last week, and, and it's hard to kind of get our mind around that as believers, but Scripture is clear in many places. We looked at those last week, that unless we forgive, like the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need to be forgiving if we want to be forgiven. And the last thing is that unforgiveness is really a miserable existence. Have you ever known anybody that has kind of lived with unforgiveness in their life? They kind of walk around and they're just kind of mean and grumpy. And, and uh, it's the opposite of freedom, isn't it? But we don't want anyone here to be walking around with unforgiveness. And so the goal is for us to move forward in life, carrying the consequences of the other person. And we commit to not charge their sin against them, against their account. We want to say things like this, I will live with what they did, I will live with what they said, and I will not hold it against them. Now, granted, that is not easy to accomplish. Would, it, would you agree? It's a process that we have to go through. And we talked about that forgiveness. Is, when we say that, yeah, we will live with the, we will not hold it against them, that does not mean that we condone the behavior. It's not okay, the neglect or the rage or the, the misbehavior in their lives. It's not the same as forgetting either or repressing. We don't stuff the things in the corner or sweep things under the carpet and hide it. I was reading this week on forgiveness and I ran across this quote. It says, the past is not the past if it is still affecting your present. And so if you are living, like we kind of kidded around last week, then you're in the mall and you see someone that you've got an offense and you kind of duck and hide, there's something going on there that you need to address. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation either. Although reconciliation is the ultimate goal, it's always best, but it's not always possible or even, even advised. Forgiveness is not the same as minimizing things either. It can be difficult to, to choose to forgive because it's unfair. We don't minimize what's happened to us or what we've experienced in our lives, the pain, the hurt. And the last thing we said is that forgiveness is not the same as codependency. We don't say, all right, we'll forgive, and now I'm responsible for what they did. No, we don't become codependent. We want to live in freedom. Now, to some of you, this sounds familiar, and I'd say, yes, that's good, uh, because we need to re, uh, revisit this, and we want to grow in this area. We also said last week that forgiveness is difficult, or is different, I'm sorry, from justice and consequences. Sometimes the person needs to pay. Sometimes there needs to be follow-through. The example I've been using is that, you know, if you've got a, a son or a daughter that disobeys, yeah, we forgive them, but we need to follow through. Maybe they need to be grounded or a good old-fashioned spank is uh, sometimes in order as well. 
We said that forgiveness is personal, right? Forgiveness, you can't forgive an organization or a group or a church or a business or a school. You forgive the people inside of those things. How many have ever been mad? You think you're mad at an organization or, a, or a, you know, some company. Jessica and I, we kind of have this love-hate relationship with our phone company, AT&T. They can't get it right. We cut them off. And we, we've said, how many times, Jessica, we've said, man, we hate this company. We're done with this. Well, we realized in this series, we can't be mad at AT&T. It's the people they hire. That's who we're mad at. <laughs> Same thing with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Right now, we're kind of, they messed up our bill a couple times, and we've been on the phone. And it's like, what in the world? What kind of morons do these people hire? I hope none of you work for one of these organizations. <laughs> but, uh, but we said forgiveness is personal. It's the people inside the organization and, uh, that you're mad at, all right? All right, forgiveness is a process, we've said, and uh, have, is anyone making some progress over the last couple weeks? Uh, lots of stories have emerged. It's been excellent, and we also said that forgiveness is a choice. We looked at that last week, and boy, it's our choice, and as we've been talking about forgiveness, there have been stories that have emerged from everywhere, on the phone, and uh, in the you know, in our comings and goings and uh, hanging out around the, the uh, office, hearing stories, your stories about forgiveness. And what's interesting is that the, sto- the song that we've been playing as our series um, uh, song by Matthew West is really a song of stories. I was at Unity this summer when I heard Matthew West in concert, and he talked about this song and about the stories that were related. And uh, it's interesting that out of the stories of his life or those around him, he was able to put that to music, and it's been such a blessing, the story of forgiveness. You know, we've said that forgiveness is a skill of discipleship. We all need it. We need it more and more and more. Every day of our lives, we need to learn to be forgiving. And what we've also said is that we need to live in community. We've said that. But if that's going to be possible, we must learn to forgive. Let's experience that song one more time and let it just minister to our hearts this morning.
Clear the bitterness away You can even set a prisoner free There is no end to what its power can do So let it go and be amazed By what you see through eyes of grace The prisoner that it really frees is you Forgiveness Forgiveness Oh, forgiveness Forgiveness Show me how to love the unlovable Show me how to reach the unreachable Help me I pray that today you would illuminate your word, the truth of scripture. It would help us to know how to forgive, to experience what it means to a believer as we extend forgiveness to someone. God, I pray that our hearts would be open. Lord, I pray for transformed lives today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll have to thank Amy later. Uh, she already slipped out, but wasn't it beautiful? It, it did a great job. Yeah, that was awesome. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 23. If you study the book of Luke, by the point of chapter 23, Jesus is heading towards the cross. He's lived uh, 33 years of his life. He's uh, had three years of ministry under his belt. His disciples are with him. He's uh, been on trial at this point. And by verse 26, he's nailed to a cross. But what has happened before that is he's been beaten and spit on and flogged. He experienced something that is called 40 lashes, which is, a, uh, which is as close to death as you possibly can come. He's near death. He's bleeding. And what is on Jesus' mind at this point? Let's look at verse 32 to start. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place of the skull, there they crucified him, Jesus, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Verse 34 is the key here. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. What was on Jesus' mind? 
forgiveness, his father's plan, why he existed. On the cross, he was thinking about you, and he was thinking about me. Now, I want you to pause that, sto- that mental image in your mind for a moment and think about yourself. When we are wronged, when I'm wronged, when you are wronged, it's like someone's handed us something, right? Like Jesus was, he was spit on, he was beaten, 40 lashes. If I was Jesus, I would want to retaliate. Our tendency is to give it back. If something's handed to us, we want to give it back. We call that revenge. And we, it can be active or it can be passive. It can be, you can say something right back when something is said to you, or you can just begin to treat the person like they don't exist or give them the cold shoulder. They did this, so I will do that. We hand it back to them. I get wounded, so I hand it right back. We call that relational pong over the last couple weeks, and we see it all over where someone is, uh, is offended, and pong, they offend someone else. And it comes back, pong, pong, pong. And we have office pong, and marriage pong, and family pong, and neighborhood pong. And all of a sudden, you walk into a, an environment, maybe at work, and you're like, what is wrong here? Well, there's unforgiveness. There's something going on beneath the surface. Something is weird. You say, well, what else can we do? Well, we can repress it. We can kind of push it off to the corner. We can hide it, or we can hold on to it, and we can say, I'm going to hold on to this offense. They don't deserve it. And what happens is that unforgiveness, it causes us many times to become irrational It changes our behaviors, changes our attitudes, and ultimately it will take a toll on you, on your family, maybe on your spouse, on your kids, on your roommates. Where do we see it pop up, unforgiveness? We see it pop up everywhere, at school, at work, in the neighborhood. We see it pop up when there's a a couple that can't get along and they're heading towards divorce. Or maybe they've experienced divorce and now they're saying, boy, I'm beyond hope. I'm destined to be lonely all my life. You hear things like that. Some of us walk around with a limp because we carry unforgiveness. We're tired. We carry this heavy, heavy load. But we have options, church. And that's what God wants us to realize. Like we studied last week in Matthew 18, the king, representative of Jesus, forgave the unmerciful servant an unpayable debt. It's our choice to forgive. It may not be easy, but it's our choice. We get to choose. It's interesting in Tim Keller's work on forgiveness, he says that the other choice is to forgive. When you decide to forgive and not to take revenge, refusing to make them pay, not, you decide not to lash out, although it's very hard, it causes agony, What Tim Keller says is that it is a form of suffering. Let's look at Tim Keller's uh, quote here. He's famous for this. It says, God's grace and forgiveness, while free to the recipient, are always costly to the giver. From the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice. The second part, no one who is seriously wronged can just forgive the, prep, uh, the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss, listen, and the debt. 
You bear it yourself. All forgiveness then is what? It's costly. Tim Tim Keller put it in this way, and I think it's just a beautiful picture, that you take the cost completely on yourself for what's been done or what's been said. Forgiveness feels like a terrible death, a suffering. You tracking with me? The key is that you cannot forgive without some sort of sacrifice. Hebrews 9, verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There's no remission of sin. You go back to the very beginning of existence, Adam and Eve. From the beginning of time, even God could not forgive without sacrifice. We look at it, Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. What does God provide for Adam and Eve? He provides some covering. After they realize their nakedness, they hide. He provides coverings, some skin. Where does that come from? From animals. There had to be a shedding of blood, even from the beginning, to forgive sin. Something has to die for forgiveness to become possible. Something has to die when forgiveness is given. Say, what has to die? Well, how about our right to get even has to die? Our right to pay back what has been taken has to die. Our right to hold on to a grudge has to die. And how many of you know that when you bleed, it hurts, right? There's a pain involved many times. I've had my fair share of accidents, been in the emergency room on many occasions, and it hurts when blood is shed. Well, when we forgive, it will cost me something. It will cost you something to forgive those who have wronged you. But that's what God calls us to do. You say, man, if it costs so much, if something has to die, why would anyone want to extend that kind of grace? Why would anyone want to absorb the debt of another person like the king did last last week, the unpayable debt? Why would you do that? Well, if you go back to Luke chapter 23 and we look at that picture of Jesus hanging on the cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, been beaten and bruised and spit upon. Why would Jesus be willing to die? Why would he do that? To absorb our debt of all humanity, all sin. What did Jesus know that led him to the cross? What he knew and what we can experience and even in our own lives. He knew that death moves to burial, and then to a resurrection. The hope of resurrection is why Jesus was nailed to the cross. The hope of us as we extend forgiveness is that there would be a resurrection, a new life. The Christ pattern is death into resurrection. I love what Parker Palmer says. He says, when Jesus entered the cross, his death opened up a channel for a redeeming power of love. That power of love is resurrection. Love says the pain stops here. I am not going to pass it on anymore. Love says there's no more destructive pattern here. Instead of following a pattern of revenge, 
I will follow Christ's pattern of death, dying with the hope of resurrection. I will absorb the debt. I will forgive. Why? Because there's new life waiting. Resurrection is new life. It's freedom. We've talked about this over the last couple weeks, that there is a weight lifted when we extend someone in our life freedom, or we extend them forgiveness. There's a freedom that is lifted. How many of you know people, and maybe you've been there yourself, where you've been carrying a load. You forgive, you choose to forgive, and all of a sudden, it's like fresh wind. Or it's like my mom texts me this morning. It's, it's a, a fragrant aroma. When we forgive. And the point is, church, is that we don't really have an option. If you consider yourself a believer, a Christ follower, the Bible says that if you are to be forgiven, you must forgive. We are to forgive like Jesus did. We must forgive, and not only to forgive, but we need to teach the art of forgiveness. We need to say to our kids and, and to those around us and here in, in our circles and across the community, hey, this is how you live. This is how to forgive. Follow my example. There's a great story of a couple years ago, you might remember it, in Pennsylvania. You know the Amish community that got, got terrorized by the gunman? And uh, the guy came in and, and uh, just shot up a bunch of Amish people at an Amish school. You remember the story a few years ago, maybe three or four or five years ago? Well, what's interesting when I uh, reviewed that story is that these people, they came out of that and they, the news cameras were all in their face and saying, you know, are you mad at the gunmen? I, you know, what would you do if you could get a hold of them? Those types of things. And over and over and over, the people in that community said, no, we've forgiven the gunmen. We've released, we've, we've absorbed that debt. And it's really an incredible picture. Saying, well, why would they do that? Because without that, there's a potential that they would live for years and even generations carrying this debt, holding on to an offense. And it's poison. It's poison. To teach the art of forgiveness. Well, when we forgive, do they, does the person that's hurt us, do they deserve it? No. But remember, last week we looked at it, and I encourage you to get online if you haven't, or if you weren't here to remember that we don't deserve forgiveness either. We deserve death. We deserve to be tortured. But Jesus absorbed our sin. There's not one of us here that has clean hands. So first of all, we can say, God, forgive us. Clean us up. Forgive us of our sin. I'm sorry. And when we do that, Jesus promises to come in. He rushes in and he forgives us in a powerful way. But then from there, with God's help, with grace and with mercy, we can go through the process of forgiveness with the hope of new life to come. Freedom is the goal. Continual freedom. Every time those feelings of anger creep up, we release them. We release that person. Every time I'm reminded of the pain, I choose to forgive and to release the person who's offended me. And in the natural, from, 
from where we look or from human eyes, it doesn't make sense. It seems ridiculous to offer that kind of forgiveness, doesn't it? But forgiveness is supernatural. It's something that happens that doesn't make sense in the natural. I love what Rob Bell says about it. He says, when we experience forgiveness, it is like heaven crashes into earth. It's like heaven on earth when we choose to forgive. It's supernatural. And it's available for each and every one of us. God wants to move in our lives. He wants to take us from a place where we've been hanging on or we've swept things under the carpet and we want to experience the forgiving nature of God. We've got a great opportunity. This week is Thanksgiving. A couple weeks away is Christmas. Many times it's in our family, those that are closest to us, maybe people we grew up with, maybe in the old neighborhood that we're going to visit later on this week, that something happened that has held us back. We've been walking through life with this heaviness that we can't even put our hand on, can't even put our finger on. And what it is, is we need to release that person. The first thing I want to address this morning is that we are to forgive. If there's someone near you that, that has hurt you or caused pain in your life, can you absorb the pain? Can you die to the idea of carrying it? Why would you do that? To look for the resurrection. Death into resurrection. New life around the corner. Matt Biller, um, a licensed therapist uh, that attends a church here, we were talking about this. He said, you know, Pastor, he says, we are never more like Christ than when we choose to forgive. That's powerful. We're never more like Christ. So is there an aunt or an uncle that needs forgiveness, to be forgiven. A brother or sister, a mom or a dad, a friend, a co-worker, an employee, an employer. Maybe someone here at church, maybe a pastor has hurt you, a board member. Are you carrying the hurt, the pain? You need to release that and let God be the avenger. That's number one. Forgive someone near you. The second thing is, have you hurt someone and you know that you've hurt them. Have you, in the course of your interaction, said something or done something that there's a high pro probability that that person was offended, that they were hurt, that there was pain caused? And if that's the case, I believe, as believers, we need to take the first step to seek forgiveness to put yourself in their shoes. What did I do? Well, to understand the pain that you may have caused, to grieve over the pain that you have initiated. Have you hurt someone? And the last thing is that no matter who you are, no matter where you are on your journey, believer, unbeliever, we as people that live in community, we need to grow in our forgiveness. We need to learn to forgive, to teach it, to model it at home, at work, at school, to enter in to the pattern of death and resurrection with new life and hope around the corner. Yes, there's suffering, but resurrection is on its way. Do you believe that? Resurrection, new hope, 
is right around the corner when you choose to forgive. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. You may be here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I need forgiveness. Uh, I need God to forgive me. I, I've never asked Jesus in my heart. Or maybe you maybe served God at one point, but you're away from the Lord this morning. Uh, let me ask this. If you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and this morning you say, I surrender, I give up. God, take control of my life. Please forgive me. If that's you and you need that forgiveness, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? Anybody lift up your hand saying, boy, that's me. I need that forgiveness in my life. I need to be forgiven from all my sin. Yes. Amen. Anybody else this morning? had a young man, uh, elementary student, raise his hand. We want to pray with him in just a moment. Let's look at our own lives. Let's take a, take a moment to consider where we are. Have, do you need to forgive someone close to you? A friend, a co-worker, a family member? Are you hanging on to something? Have you repressed something from the past that you need to address? Remember, you're never more like Christ than when you forgive. If you're here this morning and you need to extend forgiveness to someone, you've been hanging on to something and would like to release that, would you lift up your hand with the others that are already raising their hands? Yeah, hands all over, sure. Lord, help us. Extend forgiveness, yeah. God wants to do a powerful work. The second thing was, had you hurt somebody? Maybe you've said something, they've done something intentionally to cause pain. If that's the case and you know it, and you haven't dealt with that or haven't asked for forgiveness, could you seek out forgiveness? Seek to understand the pain that you've caused. Put yourself in their shoes. If that's you this morning, you know that you've hurt someone, would you raise your hand and just as acknowledgement saying, I know I have. I've said things that have hurt. I've, I've done things. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me just say this. The forgiveness process is a supernatural process. In the natural, it does not make sense. But supernaturally, God can move us to a place of grace and of forgiveness. The third thing, if you're saying, boy, pastor, this morning, I want to model forgiveness in my life. I want to teach it. I want to be an example. I want to follow this pattern of death and resurrection that we move from a place of, yeah, I, I uh, die to, to the sin. I die. I absorb the debt with the promise of new life. If that's you, is, would you raise your hand as well? And I want to pray for you as well. Yeah, hands that went up every sure. I know I do. There is a suffering, but resurrection is on the way. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for this young man that raised his hand. Lord, I pray that you bless him. Fill him, Lord. Save this young child even at a young age. God, I pray that your hand would be upon him. 
I pray if there's others here that don't know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray for your grace and mercy. Lord, I also pray that for, the, for those of us that need to forgive someone, we've been hanging on to something for too long. Maybe it's something we've grown up with and we just need to release it. We need to become like you, Christ, and follow the Christ pattern of death and resurrection. Help us, Lord, to forgive our aunts and uncles and friends and moms and dads and uh, pastors and board members and across the board. Help us to be people that are quick to forgive. Give us the grace to do that. Lord, be with us. And Lord, I also pray that if we have hurt someone, that you would put your hand upon our lives, you'd give us the grace to bridge that gap, to help us to experience the pain that maybe we've caused. Move in our hearts, move in our lives. Do what only you can do, Lord. Supernaturally touch us in Jesus' name. And finally, Lord, I pray that we would be a church, we'd be a group of individuals that love you, that let love guide us, that love would lead us to forgiveness, that we would not be people that carry all these debts, but Lord, we release them, give them to you. Help us to live in freedom, to hold our heads high for your glory, for your honor. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a quick assignment for you this week. Many of you are going to be traveling. Many of you are going to be seeing friends and family that maybe you haven't seen in a while. I want you this week to keep a ledger of people in your life that you need to extend forgiveness to or that you need to ask for forgiveness for from. And I want you to make a mental note of it because next week we're going to experience in worship communion. And really the pattern of death to resurrection, we are going to celebrate that together in the freedom that comes with that. And I'm, pre- I'm praying that God would minister through our time of communion next week in a really powerful way. And as we begin to identify some of these things, that maybe there's a, something that comes to our mind later this week and we're saying, boy, I need to remember that. And, uh, and that we'll come together and be, experience communion in a really powerful way. The next week after that, the first week of December, we're going to have, I'm going to co-teach with a licensed therapist that uh, helps people on a regular basis move from unforgiveness to forgiveness and working on reconciliation. And uh, I'm excited about that week. We'll kind of tag team preach it. But there's a model of if reconciliation is a possibility, that it takes two people working. And there's some things that will be very practical, some things to journal on, some things. You will not want to miss that week and uh, to help us move. And our goal is by the end of the year that we are making some significant progress in this area of forgiveness, that there will be freedom all over the place. And so that's kind of where we're headed in the next couple weeks. So make mental notes. Come next week ready to experience communion. The next week, it's going to be a, a, a work in progress. Uh, and you don't even have to pay for the counselor. <laughs> and, uh, and so it'll be on us. We'll pay for it. And uh, it'll be excellent. And that's how we'll end up our series on forgiveness. Would you stand with me? And I want to pray a blessing over you as you go. This Thanksgiving week, Lord, I pray that you would go before us 
behind us and all around us. Lord, help us to be like you, to experience your pattern of death and resurrection, to give what people don't deserve, to give forgiveness, and also to receive it as well. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, that there would be a weight lifted off of us, help us to hold our heads high and to approach our lives with freedom. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go in the grace of God. We love you. We'll see you next week right here at the Gateway Church. Amen.